0: Good morning. Today we're in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to talk about strengthening your mind. As Ken's been teaching in this series, we're reminded that the mind is the ultimate battlefield in this life. The Lord, our own flesh, that negative base side of us, Basically, who we are, and then the enemy, the devil or Satan, they're all battling for control of our mind. Why does the battle rage here in the mind? It's because the Bible says, For as a person thinks in his heart, so is he. That's Proverbs 23, verse 7. We need to understand that the battle that's raging in the mind is a spiritual battle. Ultimately, It's a battle between good and evil for the control of our lives. Since this is a spiritual battle, we cannot fight it in our own strength or use the common weapons of warfare. We must fight with spiritual resources, like what we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and Ephesians 6. Today, I want you to know that you don't have to lose this battle for your mind. You don't have to be defeated in your walk with Christ. You don't have to be a slave of worry, anxiety, your thoughts, feelings, or fear. You don't have to be controlled by the desires of the body. However, you can live your life under the control of the Holy Spirit, which allows you to win this battle for your mind. How might you ask? the first thing you need to know is that it doesn't happen automatically. You have to take certain steps that will allow it to happen in your life. We can look at Romans chapter 12, verse two, Ephesians four twenty three, and 1 Peter 1, 13. As we take steps that we find in 1 Peter 1, 13, is to think clearly and exercise self-control. We put ourselves in a position where the Lord can renew the mind. The word transform in Romans 12, 2 is the word renewed in Ephesians four They're both in the passive voice. There's something that's done to and in the child of God. Secondly, we need to know that we don't have to do this alone. We have the Lord's promise and 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind or discipline. So today, I want to take these few verses in Philippians chapter 4 to show you Paul's plan for victory in the battlefield of the mind. I want to share with you five simple steps that teach us all about strengthening the mind. If allowed, these steps will help us to build a wall of protection around our minds. These steps will help you to achieve victory in the daily struggles that we all face. Now, the first is that when we look at the battlefield of the mind, the first thing is we need to build various walls. And the first one is a wall of praise. We get this out of Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This repeated phrase in Philippians is Paul's command for believers to rejoice. He uses the word in the imperative form. It's also important to note that it immediately repeats the command twice. The word means to be glad. While not a Greek scholar, I discovered that this word is in the present tense, active voice, and imperative mood. All that means is the believer is commanded to keep on being filled in the Lord. Now let's face it, life is tough and the events of modern life don't bring much happiness. But let's put this into context. When Paul penned these words, he was chained up between two Roman soldiers while in a prison cell. Even in the midst of this hardship, Paul knew that regardless of the circumstances of life, God never changes, God never leaves, and God never forsakes us. That's why we're told to rejoice in the Lord. We don't rejoice in circumstances, he says to rejoice in the Lord. You see, people will change, circumstances will change, and life constantly changes, but the Lord never changes. He is constant, he is faithful, and he will always walk through this life right beside us. Since this is true, we can learn to rejoice in who he is and what he's done for us and what he's going to do in our lives, even if this road is hard. Remember these facts. The first one, God has a detailed plan for your life. We read that out of Psalm 37, verse 23. Secondly God has promised to to make all things work for good Romans 8 verse 28 and then also God has promised to go with you through everything in life we read about that in Hebrews 13:5 Fourthly God has promised you abiding victory 1 Corinthians 15:57 and Romans 8:37 and finally, God has promised that the destination will be worth every step on the way. Romans 8.18 and 2 Corinthians 4.17. Therefore, when you can't be happy about your life, learn to be happy in the Lord. Build this wall of praise around your mind. So this first step is to build A wall of praise. Now the second step is to build a wall of patience. We get this out of verse five. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The word gentle literally means considerate or gracious spirit. It's been translated in various translations in different ways. The New Living translates the world, the word considerate. Holman translates the word graciousness. King James translates the word moderation and the ESV translates the word reasonableness. This word has the idea of being patient with other people or yielding to the rights and the wishes of other people. It does not mean that we make compromises in our doctrinal beliefs in the name of tolerance, but it does mean that you have a willingness to take a back seat in favor of other people. This is the same idea that Paul introduces back in Philippians chapter two, verse four, thinking of others as more important than yourself. Paul is saying that the reality of our faith should be demonstrated in how we treat other people. If the purpose of our lives is all about us, then when people hurt us, we'll have a desire to retaliate or to get even. Paul wants us to take the focus off of ourselves And put it on to other people. When we're focused on other people around us, we'll be less likely to be hurt by what other people do. What they say won't sting us so badly because we're not focused on ourselves. How they act can be passed over a little bit more easily when we focus on their hurts, their situation, and on their well-being. I've heard it said that hurting people hurt people. So when people hurt us, we ought to to seek to discover what is happening in their life to have behaved the way they did. I'm not saying it's easy, but it is the right thing to do. When we adopt the mentality of self-love, which is all around us in this world, we will always look at things people do and say as a personal attack. It will cause us to wear our feelings on our sleeve and to be more easily hurt by the words and actions of other people. This is also the, will cause us problems in the mind because we dwell on what was done and what was said. If we can learn to accept other people just as they are and overlook what they've done to hurt us, it will protect our mind from dwelling on negative areas. It will build a wall of protection around the mind that others cannot penetrate. The bottom line is this, if we can learn to live in genuine contentment, as it says in Philippians 4.11, then it won't matter what anyone says or does to us. The mind will be protected from the evil that it likes to find in others. The devil loves nothing better than to get our eyes off of Jesus and onto the faults of other people. The flesh loves nothing better than to to go along with the devil in accusing others and judging others. When this happens, the mind is in danger. So the second step is to build the wall of patience. Now, this third step is to build a wall of prayer. And I get this out of verses five, six, and seven. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God will surpass all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4 6 warns us against the dangers of worry. The word used for anxiety in the New American Standard Bible is translated in other places as careful or worry. The idea of anxiety comes from the term to be troubled with cares. It refers to a state of mind that is agitated over the events and the circumstances of life. There's nothing wrong with having concerns because we all have them. But it's when your concerns have you That's when the problems begin to spring up. Worry is so dangerous because it allows the mind to create false ideas about God, about others, and about the world around us. Worry says God is dead, or if there is a God, he obviously doesn't care about me or my situation. And both of those statements are false. God is certainly alive. Look at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, and God does care. You can look at Hebrews 4, 15 and 1 Peter 5, 7. When the problems of life come our way, we're given some wonderful help in these verses in this section. The first thing is that the Lord is near at the very end of verse five. This is not refers not only to the second coming, but it also, he's always near to his children in everyday life. We read that out of Hebrews chapter 13, verses five and six. The second thing we see here is that we should exercise the tool of prayer in verse 6. Paul speaks of prayer, supplication, and requests. These might uh, be thought of as general praying, maybe specific praying, and finally, detailed praying. The main point of this verse is that instead of worrying, the believer is to demonstrate his faith in the power and in the will of God by seeking the Lord in prayer. Finally, we need to develop a thankful heart. Regardless of the situation you face in life, learn to praise the Lord through all of them. Nothing brings God nearer or drives the devil away faster than a genuinely thankful heart. The Lord's promise to us is that he will replace our worries with his peace. When we come before him in trusting, humbling prayer, the word keep, Or guard in Philippians 4-7 really means to garrison or to build a fort around or to post a military guard. The Lord promises to post a guard around the heart and mind of the person who trusts him with the needs of everyday life. Instead of worrying yourself sick about the things you can't change, learn to lean on the Lord in prayer. So build this wall of prayer. Now, the fourth thing that we can do is to build a wall of purity. We get this out of verse eight. It says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. You know Ken talked about this verse in the beginning of this series so I won't go too far into this point but of all these words Paul uses in this verse it really gives a clear picture of the word of God God's word is true we read about that in John 17:17 17, 17. and since the Bible is true everything it says fits within these categories mentioned by Paul it's honorable it is right it is pure like holy and clean. It's lovely. It's of good report, of good reputation. It's full of virtue or excellence. And it's worthy of praise, which means that these are the things that lead toward worship. We must fix our minds upon the things of God, the source of discovering these things worthy of filling our minds with the word of God. In other words, if we will fill our minds with the words of God, there will be no room left for evil, no room for worry, no room for fear, no room for vengeance or immorality or confusion or trouble. A mind filled with the word of God is a mind led by the word of God. It's a stable, fortified and strong mind. So, if you want a stable, strong, and godly mind, the best place to get it done is with the Bible. We must take the initiative and challenge our mind to dwell on God's Word and what it says instead of allowing the mind to 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 run toward evil, or to gossip, or slander, or sexuality, or immorality, or uh, onto other people, or what they're doing. Even our problems, a mind saturated with scripture and fixed upon the word of God is a strong mind. So this is something that you actually have to do for yourself. The church cannot strengthen your mind. The church cannot keep you from dwelling on negative thoughts. You know, your Sunday school class or small group cannot build a wall of protection around you. No one is ever transformed when the motivation is external. Just like running a marathon, I can surround myself with encouragers cheering me on toward the finish line, but if I'm not inwardly motivated to finish the race, I will give up and I will stop short. The Christian life is very similar. If if I am told what to do in order to grow spiritually, yet fail to have the inward motivation of pleasing God in all that I do, or if I fail to walk in a manner worthy of being called a child of God, I will live a mediocre life. So how long will I be obedient to God if my motivation for Christianity is simply to avoid hell or rather than loving and serving God out of a grateful heart and a renewed mind. Strengthening your mind is something that you do to yourself. It's not something done to you or for you. So let's build the wall of purity. Now, finally, we want to build the wall of practice. This is out of verse nine in our passage. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Paul says to practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. you, Did you notice how relational this verse is? Sometimes we think it reads, if you want the peace of God, do the things that I taught you. It's not like a class or a sermon where you take notes. It involves walking through this life with other people. The Christian faith, it really is caught more than it's taught. We grow and live within a faith community. Paul tells the Philippians to practice these things they have seen and heard in his life. For us, it's not that we have it all together like we're perfect in this life. See, perfection is a goal because it will never happen on this side of heaven. You've heard the phrase, practice makes perfect. Well, that statement really is wrong. If you practice it wrong, you will not get it right. Ask any musician. The real truth is a modified phrase. Practice makes permanent. As you practice the rift on the guitar or on the violin, You may start out slow, maybe even at half speed, but you have to get it right when you practice, practice, and then practice some more. If you learn it wrong, you're always going to play it wrong. So if you want permanent change in your life, you may start out slowly, but the more you practice it under the accountability of a trusted mentor or friend, the more permanent the transformation may become. So we spent the last few minutes building some walls in order to strengthen our minds. The wall of praise, the wall of patience, the wall of prayer, the wall of purity, and the wall of practice. So let's have some time for reflection. Maybe bow your head in the quiet of this moment and let God's spirit speak to your heart and to your mind. So bow your heads. What are our next steps. You might consider these questions in the quietness of this moment. Which wall is needed most in your life right now? Name a person who is spiritually mature that you will seek out this week to help you to grow in that area. How will you begin to make changes in your life so that you can strengthen your mind. Who will you tell about this personal commitment and the need for accountability? And then finally, when will you seek out this accountability person? You see, your mind is a precious gift from God. It can be used for good or for evil. All the forces of good and evil are battling for your mind all the time. Who wins the battle always is determined by you. No one can control your mind but you. We're told in the Bible that we need to strengthen our mind. It's our job, individually, and it cannot be passed off to another person. We are in cooperation with the Holy Spirit to conform to the image of Christ. We can't outsource that responsibility. This is a very critical matter because how you think determines how you will live your life. Remember Proverbs 23, seven, as a person thinks within himself, so is he. Until the mind is settled, a life is out of control. Remember the words of James chapter one, verse eight, He tells us a double-minded man is unstable in his ways. So I challenge you to strengthen your mind. And so let's pray about it. Lord Jesus, you know better than anyone that I need a stronger mind. I recognize that apart from you, I can do nothing. So please help me to grow in my faith, renew my mind, and become more effective in my Christian walk. I confess my failures and seek your forgiveness. Lord, help me submit to your Lordship, embrace your ways and to do your will. Father, for those who have not yet begun their journey of discipleship or faith, let them seek you earnestly because your word tells us that you will be found when we seek for you with all of our heart. Father, this time is yours. Help us to make commitments and give us the strength to follow through, especially when life gets hard. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us today. If you made any commitments this morning, let us know about it. You can contact us using the church website. You see the address right here. Know that your staff prays for you. And we hope that you'll make prayer for one another a regular activity each week. Remember that Ken is back next week to finish his series, The Mind Matters, but it'll be a little bit different next Sunday, October 31. While we're going to have the online service like normal, the church on campus is going to meet together outside in the shade, under the shade trees, and the service. When it's finished, we're going to have our church-wide fall picnic. So maybe consider joining us on campus next week. Love you a lot. See you soon.